Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Eagles fans, this is Chris Franklin from NJ Advance Media and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today is a new guest host with the No Huddle Show and we're going to get into that in a little bit. Today, our mystery guest and I will talk about the huge Eagles trade that the Eagles did to acquire receiver A.J. Brown, the draft overall, and what holes still need to be filled in the roster. Now, as I just mentioned, we do have a new guest host of the No Huddle Show podcast, and this man, you know, has covered the Philadelphia Eagles for a very long time. He's very well respected. I mean, hell, I read I read him when he when I was coming up through everything, and he, I'm beyond excited to have him as a guest host here and be working with us now with NJ.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Les Bowen. Les, how are you doing today? Doing great, Chris. Thank you for having me. No worries. No worries. I mean, what does it feel like to be on this side of the uh, of the, of the river now working with us? It's very nice. I've really enjoyed what I've been able to do so far, and I look forward to doing a lot more. It's uh, I'm kind of semi-retired, I guess. And, uh, you know, you're doing all the hard work and I'm doing, uh, you know, just uh, columns and stuff. So this is great. <laughs> I'm just trying to be like you, man. That's it. That's it. That's everything that comes with it. That's it. Oh, uh, but <laughs> oh, It's fun. It's fun. But I guess we're going to jump right into it right now. You know, on the Thursday night, you know, we were in a media house and all of a sudden we got this big alert coming out that uh, A.J. Brown was coming to the Eagles. Now, the Eagles trade away their 18th overall pick and also a third-round pick, which was one over one overall, to get A.J. Brown. And then on top of that, they gave him a $100 million contract extension, $57 million of which was guaranteed. Les, what are your initial reactions to the, to the trade, and what do you think about them giving so much money to him as extension? Well, uh, as far as the trade goes – I was very impressed. They coming out of free agency, the real you know high volume, high money free agency part. Uh, the one thing I faulted the Eagles for was not signing a marquee veteran wide receiver. That was the biggest thing that they kind of talked about going into free agency. Uh, they have a very young room. Their other two best receivers are Devonte Smith and. Quez Watkins. And, you know, there's no real 
veteran of any stature in that room. So, you know, I, I kind of thought that was a real problem for them. And I wasn't sure how they were going to solve it, given that so many of the top receivers either re-signed with their own teams or moved during that period and didn't go to the Eagles. There wasn't really a lot sitting there on the free agent market that they were going to still get. So to be able to pull off something like this, I thought was uh, really impressive. Now, the contract, you know, we've all kind of, people who have been following this uh, have seen that the wide receiver market has gone nuts uh, over you know, the last couple months. Christian Kirk got a ridiculous amount of money for a guy that most fans have barely heard of. Um, and that, that, you know, that, that's kind of where we are. Um, I know the guaranteed money is less than some of the new deals that have been signed lately. So I don't think they did anything uh, really outlandish with that. There is a little bit of risk in that A.J. Brown, even though he's still young, he's not quite 25 yet, he has had some injuries the last couple of years. He missed four games last season. And uh, you kind of want to keep your eye on that. You know, you kind of wonder why Tennessee was willing. I know they have cap problems, and maybe they just couldn't go to where he wanted to get to. But a guy that's been as productive as he has been in his three NFL seasons is available in a trade, and they're going to try to turn the page and replace him with a rookie that they drafted uh, with, uh, you know, what the Eagles gave them. Um I, you know, I don't quite know what to make of that. You have to be a little bit skeptical that A.J. Brown is going to be exactly what we all think he's going to be. But even so, it's worth taking that risk, I think. Yeah, I agree, too, especially with when when initially when free agency began, he heard Christian Kirk at 18 million. I was like, what the heck is going on here? Like, just throwing around that much money and that – that free agent cords quickly dried up. And when you look at now, when you add a guy like AJ Brown, I thought it was important not only for to see if what you have in quarterback Jalen Hurts, and if that doesn't work out, you now have a piece that can be attractive for a veteran free a veteran that they can try to trade for next season if the Hurts experiment doesn't work out with it. When I look at his production and I look at what he can do on the field, you have a guy now where we saw how much how many times the Eagles like to use those wide receiver or rocket screens throwing out to the outside. You have a guy now who can shake some defensive backs. He has a lot of power, especially in his lower legs, to mm-hmm. elude them and pick up a lot of yards after the catch. So when you look at it overall, I think it's a good deal. Now, the money itself, is that's the going right now. And, and for what you're getting, I think, in future projection when it comes to yardage and, and just – overall wide receiver play as a whole, I think it's going to be good when you, when everything looks back in it. And I expect, especially with this new, uh, these new TV deals coming in with the Amazon money coming in and the cap going up, this is definitely going to be look out when all sudden does look like it's one of the cheaper deals. and It's going to look like a good thing. So I think overall it's, it's not a bad, it's not a bad uh, thing. Now, Switching to another trade that the Eagles did on that first night, the Eagles traded up to number twelve, to number thirteen, excuse me, with the Houston Texans and took defensive tackle Jordan Davis out of the University of Georgia. You know, with Fletcher Cox being on a one-year deal and basically looking like the twenty-two season, twenty twenty-two season is going to be his last one with the Eagles. Eagles needed a need there, and, and he took Davis. Less, what's your initial thoughts about the pick of Davis? 
Well, I'm really glad they got him. I, I think there are some fans who would rather have had the safety Kyle Hamilton. Um, I don't, you know, we'll see down the road whether that would have been a better move. It's clear that the Eagles prioritize the lines more than safety, you know, and, and I think that's generally that's a good way to, to look at it as long as you're not really terrible at safety where, <laughs> you know, if you are, then that's a problem. But uh, I do like Jordan Davis. If you put these two trades together, they ended up giving up a lot of their draft capital. And that's a minor quibble that I have. Once again, they came out of the draft without a difference-making corner, which is amazing to me. For the last two years, I've been expecting them to draft a corner in the first or second round, and they haven't done it. And I understood the rationale Saturday night, you know, that the board just didn't fall that way. They had uh, Cam Jurgens, the center they drafted in the second round, rated much higher than, than the corners available at that point. But I also think if you hadn't had to do these two trades earlier, you could have traded up in the second and gotten to a place where you could have drafted a good corner like Booth, say, from Clemson. Um, you know, and, and I think that would have been a darn good thing to do. But that having been said, I can't quibble with, with Jordan Davis. You know, He's going to make a real difference, I think, uh, for years to come on that defensive line. I'll be shocked if he isn't an effective player. Yeah, I think that a lot has been made about his f- coming off the field after on third downs and not getting the true sack production. And I look at this more as a uh, pick that's going to help out a lot of the guys that are around him. You now, the Eagles now have a smaller linebacking core. You got Kaiser White, Hassan Reddick, and even T.J. Edwards. In, in a little bit, in a way, is kind of a on the smaller side, and, and as well as Nicobe Dean, who we're going to talk about a little bit later. But when you look at that, what Davis does. Lining up as a nose tackle or, or that zero technique, which is right in front of the center, or even shading over to the traditional defensive tackle spot at a four three, he commands about two two offensive linemen. If he's really get shooting the gap with his size, so being six six and three three forty plus, he can shoot into that gap and occupy a lot of those offensive linemen. And that goes ahead and lets those linebackers flow freely and allows them to make the plays that they necessary to need, especially with the speed that they have. I really want to see him go ahead and try to get some like another couple pass rush moves because yeah, I, I want to see him. I think that's key, especially when, he, when this defense tries to go downhill and the flexibility. So uh, I, that's the one thing I, I want to see him work on, especially during his mini camp. And I think Tracy Rocker is going to do a lot of that with him. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think, too, with Jordan Davis, what you have to look at, everybody says, you know, it's all about getting to the passer in the NFL, and it is. But you can't get to the passer if it's always third and three, you know. And <laughs> the Eagles last season could not stop the run on first or second down. Uh, opposing offenses were often in third and short, second and short. And, uh, you know, they just keep moving down, down the field that way. Uh, if you can make it third and long, you have a lot better chance of getting to the passer, even if Jordan Davis isn't going to be the guy that gets to the passer, even if it's going to be Hassan Reddick or Brandon Graham or Josh Schwett or Fletcher Cox. Uh, you know, it, it's still very useful to be able to put yourself in that situation. And I think that is a necessary component of 
your pass rush is putting people into situations where you can have a pass rush. <laughs> it's, that's true because you're right. It gets it gets a little rough. And then when you looked at how well how well teams ran against the Eagles last year, it seems at times it was it was kind of porous, especially as well too. And it, it, they needed a bigger a bigger body in there. And <laughs> it's safe to say that Davis is that guy. Now going to the second round, you know, we talked. You mentioned Cam Jurgens. The Eagles really found like they found their replacement in Jason Kelsey. Now I want to ask you: We, we talked to Howie Roseman after Saturday night. They said they had Dean and Jurgens on the board at the same time. And do you feel like that was the right spot to take Jurgens? Do you feel like they could have waited a little, a long, a little bit longer to get him? Well, I have no idea who really needed a center and who was really in on him. It's clear that they took Jason Kelsey's uh, – this is something I wrote about. You can look look it up on NJ.com. They took Jason Kelsey's evaluation of him very seriously. Jason Kelsey feels like this is the guy. This is the guy that's like him, who's going to you know take the torch from him. Coming into this, I didn't really have that on my radar – I was looking at the fact that you know they've been drafting people to succeed Jason Kelsey for a very long time now, going back to Isaac Suamalo in 2016. There's Isaac. There's, of course, Landon Dickerson last year, and that was a big reason for drafting him in the second round. And there's Nate Herbig, whom they've had around for a few years now and, and trained to be a center. And I just wasn't sure how many of those guys you really needed. But I think from what I can discern – Sumala has been hurt a lot the last two years. He's missed a lot of games, and uh, maybe they just want to keep him at guard and and make a a plan that you know isn't as dependent on him being healthy at center. Um, Herbig, you know, he was a restricted free agent. They gave him the lowest possible tender. He went out and looked for a deal somewhere else. He came back. They signed him. I, I get the feeling they've soured on him, you know, that they're not as when, – when he first showed up as an undrafted free agent, Jeff Stoutland was really intrigued with his size and his power. But I'm not sure he's really improved enough or that they, you know, like what he's done for them the last couple years enough to make him Jason Kelsey's successor. Um, and Dickerson – you know, Dickerson's a huge guy. He would be a very different type of center than Jason Kelsey. And he did so well on that left side. It's left guard. You've got him and Maialata. You've got Howie, Howie Roseman actually talked about this uh, Saturday night. That's a nice duo there. And, and you don't really want to split that up, I guess. So they felt they had to do this. I didn't see it as a big need, but... Uh, you know, they've gotten used to having all pro play at the center position. I've never thought you needed all pro play at the center position to win the Super Bowl. I've always thought a good center, you know, who didn't make mistakes, who was savvy about the blocking calls and so forth was enough, you know, for me. But, uh, this is the route they're going, and you can't fault the guy as a prospect. I, I think he's a really good prospect, and I think uh, you know they're not going to strike out on this like they have on some other high uh, draft picks over the last several years. It's a safe pick. Is it really what they needed more than anything else at 51 overall? I can't imagine it is, but 
they took what they thought was the the guy with the most, you know, the guy who's going to have the best career. And I guess we have to trust them on that for now. So true. So true. That when I was looking at the board and just looking to see where they were, when they were picking, I thought Jurgens was a guy that they can probably got about f- five, six, seven picks down the board. I mean, he was the best to me, in my opinion, he still is the best center prospect that was in this draft. And given how much the center position is important with this team, especially when it comes to calling out the defensive protections and needing an athletic guy to get out in space and on screens and also to the second level defenders. I thought that was very important. I know it takes two to tango when it comes to a trade, but I really thought they could have, that was a good opportunity for that team for the Eagles to pick up an additional, even a six rounder, fifth or sixth rounder to move back the few spots and still be able to take them in that. Because I don't think there was, I think there were some teams, I think toward, the back end of the second, even more toward the back end of the second round, maybe third round, I would have thought about taking them. But I mean, overall, I, I can't fault the prospect as I can't fault Jurgens as a whole and the reasons behind it. I think that, A, I think it's a, a badge of courage. And that was a great story by you, by the way, about Kelsey. But I think that was a badge of courage that, that shows how much his voice is, is relied upon in, in, a, in a, an overcare complex and thought it was very, very important. Yeah, it was interesting that they had him evaluate center prospects, you know, and uh, you kind of wonder if he's going to move into some sort of role with the organization when he comes off the field. I'd be pretty surprised if he didn't at this point. But with Juergens, you know, you don't want to get too cute in the draft. Uh, How he learned that lesson in 2012 when he was confident that he was going to get Russell Wilson in the third round (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Seattle had something to say about that. And I remember Howie actually calling the Seattle general manager and, you know, congratulating him on poaching uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson from them. Um, you know, you, I don't know. I, it's Howie tends to have a pretty good sense in recent years of where guys are going to go. That's one of the things he does well. I'll take his word for it that they needed to draft at, at 50. If they were going to get Cam Jurgens, that they – that 51 was a good place to take him. Uh, I just don't, the idea that they desperately needed Jason Kelsey's replacement more than anything else they could have gotten there is still kind of a tough sell to me. I hear you. I hear you. Now, probably the biggest, one of the biggest surprises of this whole entire draft was N'Kobe Dean. I mean, he had, he's the linchpin of that vaunted Georgia defense that won the national championship last year. And that Georgia defense saw several guys be taken in this draft. And when you look, when we were looking at the board and we kept seeing him linger and linger and linger, and he's went through day one. Then day two, I mean, the second round, they were like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Then the Eagles somehow miraculously get them at 83 in the third round. Les, what do you think about N'Kobe Dean, and do you have a lot of concern about that peck injury that he's, he reportedly has? This is very intriguing, Chris. Um, you know, people are calling him the steal of the draft. I think I saw Pro Football Focus said that. Uh, you know, you want to hope that's true for Eagles fans' sake. Um, certainly he's a wonderful player. What I've discerned from just what I've been able to read and talk to people about is that he's a small linebacker and he's had, it's not just this peck thing, which is something of a mystery, but he had shoulder surgery last year. Uh, there's a knee meniscus thing that 
concerns some people. Maybe it's just a matter of teams don't think he's going to have a long career or that he's going to be hurt a lot if you you know have him on your team and you depend on him. He's he's going to be one of those guys that's always got something wrong with him. I don't know. I mean, I in the third round, I'd take a shot at a guy like that, given the production he's had and the reputation he has and their need at linebacker. Um, it doesn't bother me that they went and did it. I, they were very confident about the medical part, and we're going to see if that confidence is warranted. Um, they said they checked three or four times into the PEC thing that it doesn't need surgery, and they were very emphatic about that. So if he ends up having surgery this summer, uh, you know, we'll, we'll want to know, you know, what, how he thinks about that. <laughs> but, uh, for now it's, uh, it's quite a coup. And I think it's probably the highlight of, uh, of what some people think is the highlight of the drafted players that the Eagles got. I guess the highlight of the draft would be AJ Brown, but the highlight of the drafted players getting the Kobe Dean in the third round, that's, uh, I think people are looking at that as quite a coup. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Howie Roseman, basically said, yeah, we're going to see him this weekend during uh, rookie camps. And, and uh, to me, that was a shock in that. They felt that confident that he's going to be out there and that. I mean, yeah. listen. Of course, they're not going to do anything yeah. at rookie camp other than tell people where they should line up in this form. You know, it's, <laughs> they, they don't block anybody or tackle anybody or hit anything in running in, in rookie camp. But nonetheless, uh, he did say that it's not going to need surgery and their doctors are certain of that. And you know, that's going to that's a bold statement since there are people in the league who believe otherwise, apparently. So uh, it's, all, it's one of those things. It's always good to you just don't know, you know, about injuries. Uh, a lot of times teams have wildly varying um, reports from their doctors. Not all doctors agree. If you've ever been to two or three doctors for something that was bothering you, you probably know that, you know, doctors have different opinions. Uh, a few years ago. The Eagles really wanted to draft DK Metcalf, but their medicals were bad. He had a neck injury and their doctor said, absolutely not. And, you know, I mean, that could still, I hope it doesn't affect DK Metcalf's career. It still could, but so far it has not. And uh, <laughs> the, the Seattle doctors were correct and the Eagles doctors were not. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes with the Kobe Dean. Yeah, because you mentioned right. Yeah, you can be on the field, and oh wow, yeah, he's holding. He's full, his arms are folding. He's got the buck, the dreaded bucket hat, which we all know what. That's not a great sign when you see the bucket hat on another guy on yeah. the outside watching everything. But uh, I'll lump these two guys next: the Eagles not having a fourth round pick, and then trading their one lone fifth round pick for two six rounders, and then moving back up again with the Detroit Lions. They took Kyron Johnson with uh, linebacker Kyron Johnson, and they also took a uh, tight end Grant Calcaterra as well too. Les, when you look at those two guys, which one do you think would have the better long-term career when it comes to the NFL? Well, Chris, I'm more intrigued by Calcaterra because when he his first couple years at Oklahoma, he was considered – a top college tight end in the making. People would think that by the time he got done, he would be a, a first or second round pick. Uh, one of those years was spent uh, with Jalen Hurts. And he had these concussions. He quit football. He left school. He was going to, he, he trained as an EMT. He was trying to get into a fire academy to become a fireman. 
And then he said he was watching the 2020 draft and he was seeing guys, tight ends drafted that he had played against. And he decided to give it another go. And he says that no doctor ever told him that he shouldn't play football, that he made that decision himself. And that since coming back, uh, he has gotten medical opinions and there's nothing, there's no reason why he can't play. Uh, I hope all that's true. I mean, we're, We've, we've been through so much with this concussion uh, discussion and CTE and, and things like that. Uh, I'm very, uh, I'm not one to just sort of say, oh, okay, he's fine. Let's go. You know, I, I think this is a serious matter and I hope he's got the right advice. But if he has the right advice and he's really going to be okay, then that's another coup for the Eagles, getting him in the sixth round because he's definitely a player. You know, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Kerryon Johnson, less excited. I, I, you know, I don't have anything against picking him in the sixth round. You're not picking, you know, uh, future all pros there very often. Uh, he looks like a backup linebacker type who can play special teams. And that's what you're looking for in the sixth round, really. So, you know, I'm fine with him. Um, and I'm really intrigued by Calcaterra. I think that's, uh, you know, that could be a, a grand slam pick, uh, but I hope, again, as with Nicobe Dean, that the medicals are correct and that uh, he's going to be able to uh, play without having further problems. See, I want to take the opposite one because I think Kyron Johnson is going to be the one that has the longer one because of something you mentioned right there. He had a couple minor minor concussions, you know, when he started uh, when he was with Oklahoma, and the fact that he went to become an EMT, which a I know in this in this in the Philadelphia area, when you hear a guy who's supposed to become a firefighter slash EMT, you know, there's red flags when it comes to Danny Watkins and everything yeah, else. But yeah. uh, I'm worried. I think when I look at Johnson, I see a guy who can be the embodiment. I'm not, and before anybody says that I'm calling him this, I think he can be like another Hassan Reddick type really? in the way that you're getting a guy uh, as an edge rusher. I'm not going to say he's going to put, he's not going to give you like 23 sacks within the next two years. But when I look at the way that he can come off the edge, the way I think it's a little bit better than what Patrick Johnson was able to do last year when he was with, uh, during his rookie season. I see Johnson as a guy who can not only rush the passer from the outside, I see him being comfortable enough to be able to go into that curl flat area and be a little disruptive. I'm not going to, I wouldn't ask him to do it like 10, 15 times a game. I don't even think he's going to be in there for 10, 15 mm-hmm. defensive plays. But when you look at the way Calcaterra, uh, I, 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 and I see what you say, I see the potential in there. I like his route running. I like his hands. I'm just worried about him being in the league long-term because if he had those concerns back in the, back with Oklahoma, you know, these guys hit a little bit harder. And that was, and that was big 12 football, not, not say nothing bad about, too much knock against Big 12 football, but just not as physical, say, like the Big 10 or the SEC. Mm-hmm. When he comes to the NFL, that's a whole other game as well, too. So I have a little bit more pro- a little more concerns about him. It's not a big gap, but I think, for me personally, I think Chiron's going to have the uh, the longer career, even if it's by a season or not, <laughs> so when it comes to both of these. Well, that's very now, interesting, and I hope you're yeah. right. But, uh, you know, Hassan Reddick went a lot sooner than the sixth round. Oh, yeah. Out of <laughs> so I don't know. I, I would like to see it. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't ever seen the guy play. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Nice. Nice. Now, 
that was their that was Calcaterra was their last pick. And so we went through the whole entire draft without a cornerback or safety being taken. And well, when the Eagles were looking trying to get some help on safety, Tyron Matthews' name kept coming up. Well, we hear heard on Monday morning that Tyron Tyron Matthew looks like he's going to be headed to the New Orleans Saints. Now, Howie Roseman said he felt comfortable with the safety groups that he had right now. Here's a clip of Roseman talking about the safety position ahead of time. Yeah, I think that uh, where we are at the safety position, um, you know, we got a lot of confidence in Anthony, and that's why we brought him back. We got a lot of confidence in Marcus. Uh, Marcus played really good football for us last year. Um, we got a lot of confidence in, in Kayvon, and then um, – we brought Andre here last year. We have Jared, and then uh, we'll continue to look at that position. Um, you know, nothing imminent, um, but again, um, we probably have a, a higher um, vision of that room than maybe is perceived. And we're back. Less Marcus Epps and Andre Seichere and Kayvon Wallace as your starting safeties. I mean, a little different from Tyron Matthew. Uh, and also now you still don't have a clear option at cornerback. I mean, what are the Eagles are going to do this season when it comes to the secondary? Boy, I don't know, Chris. Uh, the Tyron Matthew thing, uh, you know, when Howie said Saturday night that nothing was imminent, I thought, well, you know, Matthew's going to sign in the next few days after the draft. If nothing is imminent for the Eagles, then that means they're not getting Tyron Matthew. And sure enough, uh, he's with his hometown Saints, I guess. Uh, I mean, I, Tyron Matthew isn't what he was a few years ago, I don't think. Uh, he wouldn't have been on the market so long if he were. But like you said, I'm not sure what they're going to do. They don't have a starter opposite Darius Slay. Um, they It's great for them to say they like all these guys, but none of them has any pedigree whatsoever. Kayvon Wallace at safety is the only one. You know, people were excited a few years ago when they drafted him in the fourth round from Clemson. They thought they got great value. Haven't seen it, really. He's been on the field. Uh, you know, I haven't seen him great in coverage. I haven't seen him as a great hitter, a great stopper of the run. He did block a punt. Um, you know, I... <laughs> I guess they know him better than I do, but I'm not excited about Kayvon Wallace. I know they do like Marcus Epps, whom they've, who's been around a while now. Uh, maybe he is ready to start. I don't know. I, it depends on what you want your safeties to do. At times last year, Jonathan Gannon just wanted his safeties to play back at the goal line or something, you know, and prevent <laughs> uh, 90-yard touchdowns. Uh <laughs> If that's all you really want from a safety, uh, you can play almost anybody back there, I guess. Uh, will we see you? Wait, will we, will we see Howie Roseman signing you to play safety now? Probably not. Probably <laughs> not. But uh, I don't think he needs anybody who runs a 13-minute mile. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's puzzling. We don't – it's puzzling for a lot of reasons. One, the Eagles' uh, reluctance, as I mentioned earlier – to draft in the high rounds for these positions in recent years. The other is we just, Jonathan Gannon, you know, we don't get to talk to him in the off season. He inherited Jim Schwartz's players last year and, and played defense very, I thought, timidly at times, very tentatively at times. What does he really want? What, what does he really prioritize? Uh, I think we're getting a hint that he wants a bigger defensive line in the middle, you know, um, but, and that's probably a good idea for the Eagles, but 
What he wants in the secondary, I have no idea. Darius Slay is over 30. Um, like I said, they haven't drafted a corner in the first round in 20 years. It, it's been five years since they drafted a corner in the second round. Safeties, you know, they went, they were on a, when they were trying to replace Brian Dawkins a decade or so ago, they would take a safety in the second round. It seemed like almost every year, Nate Allen, Jaquan Jarrett, you know, none of those guys ever worked out, but they kept drafting them. Uh, <laughs> now they're not even drafting them. And I don't know what the heck, you know, it's, we'll see, I guess. Uh, is there a veteran still out there that could make a difference? Uh, there's a Ravens safety, uh, Clark, that's uh, on the trade market, apparently. I don't know. But uh, I just can't believe they're going to go into camp with the group they have at the moment. See, I, I think they have to. They either have to go trade or the only name that really comes out to me, at least for the safety position right now, is Landon Collins, you know, a former who played with the Washington Commanders last year. But the thing about him is you don't know his availability a lot of times because he's been oft injured mm-hmm. when it comes to there. But I think when he's actually good to go, you have a guy who can play in the who can match up well in the slot, play that free safety. And I want and I'm just looking right now and I wonder especially if Gannon's going to play a lot more zone in the back, because if he's feeling right now, he's comfortable enough that he can roll with Zach McPherson or Tay Gowan on the outside and letting them just go five or 10. That is points like he's saying, okay, I'm going to rely on my, on my safeties a little bit more to play a little bit, play that type of defense. But to me, I think when you look at, when you have this front seven now, when you hoping that you have a better pass rush, to me, I think you would, would like a better man corner. So to go ahead and try to force a little few more turnovers. And boy, I'd sure I like just, that. No. You know, <laughs> it, it would make a lot more sense. I think, especially you force. I think you force more turnovers, and I think also it lets your safeties try to cut in a little bit more routes on the underneath as well too. But when you don't have guys who shown production enough to be able to get interceptions on a consistent rate. And I'm even including Anthony Harrison, the one guy who's, who's penciled to be a starter. I have a lot of questions about the deep end. And this team got torched in the middle of the field last year a lot. I mean, they gave yes. up a lot of yards to the tight ends. They, I think they led the they gave up the most yard receiving yards and the most receiving touchdowns to the tight ends over that over last year, which is which is mind boggling. And I know you have these new linebackers that you hope to cover, but you kind of hope that you want to take the ball away a little bit more to give that offense a shorter thing because I think this offense has the ability to score quickly. So. I, it's it's and they they I think the best thing to do I think the one thing I think they do I can see a player for player trade I don't know if you decide to sell if jail I don't know Jalen Rager if you use Andre Dillard if you use I don't know an extra offensive lineman like Nick Herbig and you try to get another player from another team roster like Sir Clark hopefully you get something like that to fulfill one of those roles but I'm not that's the I think that's the biggest weakness right that's secondary right now is the thing's the biggest weakness on his team and you and you hope you hope for the Eagles' sake that it doesn't cost them you know a, a few games down the line on that. Oh yeah, I agree. It's definitely the biggest weakness on the team right now. And uh you know, it's pretty crucial. It's not like <laughs> having a weakness at punter or something, you know. I mean, it's a pretty big deal. So, uh I, I'm real interested to see. I don't I did not take Howie's words at face value. I don't think they're that confident in these guys that they've got. I, I think there is going to be something. Somebody joked today on Twitter that they'll just move Jalen Rager to safety. Uh, since uh, <laughs> they're moving J.J. Ortega-Whiteside to tight end, uh, you know, Rager can probably uh, – somebody else said, well, he knows how to to uh, 
to not catch a pass. So, you know. That's good. I'll say that's the first thing you took right on my mind. I'll say, like, well, defensive backs aren't known to have the best hand. So, hey, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> well, Les, it looks like we're coming down the home stretch on the first uh, No Huddle Show podcast together. together. Do you have any final thoughts about this draft and, and this offseason as a whole? Yeah, the only other thing I would say is uh, we didn't really – well, they haven't released the names of the undrafted free agents yet, but I think that's a big deal this year. Um, last year with the COVID rules, uh, you know, players were allowed to go back for an extra year of college. And it was a small pool of players who ended up declaring for the draft, signing with agents. This year is a huge pool of players, about 700, only what, 260 some got drafted. Yeah, so, 262. You know, the Eagles ended up reportedly giving huge uh, undrafted free agent contracts to two or three guys that they clearly expect to make the team. (laughs) You know, so that's something. (laughs) And unfortunately, I don't think there's a corner there that's going to make the Pro Bowl. But, you know, they they did give some guys some money. And you're going to see that's going to be a storyline we'll be following pretty closely this summer is what kind of help they really did get in the undrafted free agent market, they've kind of built the expectation there. That's something they've kind of hung their hat on over the years. I know you don't go back to the 2003 draft, but that's one of my favorite things to talk about. They didn't draft any good players really that year. LJ (laughs) Smith, whom they drafted ahead of Jason Witten was the best. And, uh, (laughs) but they signed a bunch of undrafted free agents afterwards and those turned out to be good players. Uh, Quentin Michael, Jamal Jackson, uh, you know, um, Rod Hood. You know, if they'd have drafted the guys that they signed as undrafted free agents, they would have uh, had a much better draft. So maybe we'll see something, you know, of that kind of productiveness again. They could certainly use a Quentin Michael in their undrafted free agents this year. So, uh, you know, I think we do have to keep an eye on that part of it. That's good. And, uh, and you know, that's, that's a good point. And for me, I just look at how much it looks like how much input and influence that Jalen Hurts had on a lot of these moves that were made this offseason. I mean, when you look at he's getting his close friend, A.J. Brown, who we're going to talk later this mon- on Monday afternoon, we're going to be introduced to him. When you look at uh, when you look at uh, Calcaterra, when you look at some of these other moves that the Eagles made, it just seemed like they're trying to get the guys that feel comfortable around him, guys he feels familiar with, to see if he brings out a lot more in his production. And I think that goes a huge way. I mean, usually when you get a guy like that, it's when you invest those types of when you invest in those type of weapons around somebody, generally it looks like you're thinking this person's going to be around for the long term and to giving that many people in there. I mean, look, even going back to last year with Devonta Smith and, and his mm-hmm. relationship that he had with Jalen Hurst. When you're bringing all those people out there, it, it signals like they're actually kind of, maybe they're looking more towards this as a two-year experiment to see that. And then maybe trading around those first-round picks to try to get something else next year. Boy, you that's know, a good you, you point, Chris. That I, I wrote about that today, actually, about the, uh, the Jalen Hurts uh, influence on this draft. And the point that I really wanted to make that I've been reading about over the last week or so, and I didn't really think about this. I'm not that smart, but everybody (laughs) talks about Josh Allen's development in Buffalo and how, what an incredible turnaround he had between 2019 and 2020. And he did certainly improve some of his mechanics and his accuracy. 
But the other part of that was they signed, they or didn't sign, they traded for Stefan Diggs. And Stefan <laughs> Diggs caught 127 passes in 2020. And, you know, who knows that every one of them was thrown right to his hands. He probably caught some passes that were incompletions the year before. You know, so <laughs> I think, you know, A.J. Brown can make Jalen Hurts look a lot better, regardless of how much Jalen Hurts improves. And uh, that's, that's something to look at, I think, going into this season. Very, very, very well said. Now, remember, everybody, to make sure you subscribe to Eagles Insider, the tech service where we break news and insider information, and you'll get conversation like this. Yes, lesser I questions. We'll be able to answer stuff like this as well, too, without uh, if you want to go before, wait for a podcast. Also, make sure you list wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Make sure you go and give us a review. We would love to hear about this. I mean, we had our first one together, and uh, hopefully first of many, many more or less. And I sure hope it was, so, Chris. It's been fun doing that. Same here. (laughs) Same here. So for everybody, for Les Bowen, I'm Chris Franklin. Have a great day.